Blog Talk Radio. component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. 
Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Huh? Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and yeah, roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest. Steve, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Oh, fantastic, man. I got my Black Rifle coffee here ready to go. Need to get you some Black Rifle coffee, guys. I'm going to tell you what. It's Not only is it the best freaking coffee that's out there, but it, it does a great thing. When you buy a bag, you give a bag. So you, they give to the first responders, to the troops. Uh, my friend's son is in the Navy and deployed, and all they serve on the ship is Black Rifle Coffee. I've got coffee or die. It'll keep us alive. Steve, welcome back to The Balance. I know we've had kind of a hiatus. Obviously, last week we had some technical issues and uh, other things going on. But I want to talk with you real quickly about how awesome it was to be out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and be a part of that 100,000 people that was there at at the track. I know you watched it on television, but how awesome was it? I guess because you think about the world looking at sports as a whole. Uh, in any sport since COVID broke out, there's not been a bigger gathering of fans in the stands as far as numbers go. And I just feel like it went off without a hitch and there was just absolutely no issues at all. And, you know, we joke about the mass issue, and maybe we need to be serious about it. But I tell you what, there was no social distancing. Everybody was – I mean, you, you saw it there, and I sent you some pictures. I mean, there was no social distancing there. So I just think we've, we've come a long way. What did you think about this year's Indianapolis 500? Yeah, I think it was um, – you know, it's, it's a good reminder that we're a bit – getting back to that normalcy that we've missed over the last, uh, you know, 14, 15 months or something like that. And uh, being the center centerpiece of, of one of the centerpieces of racing that day, just, uh, you know, uh, uh, you, just, you get the sense that it's, it's, we're finally making those turns and finally getting back to, you know, where we were pre COVID and at, at, at the end of the day for, um, um, MSR to go out there and uh, put uh, put uh, Nemez back in the car and uh, he go out there and win uh, yet again. Uh, I think is a pretty powerful statement all by itself. Oh yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about uh, some news that popped out this week. Uh, certainly NASCAR made rule changes to slow cars down at Daytona and Talladega, obviously after a very scary record involving Jerry, uh, Jerry, sorry, uh, Joey Logano's car was become airborne and flipped onto its roof. Uh, <clears throat> always scary situation when that happens. But NASCAR's decided, hey, well, now's the time that at least at Daytona and Talladega, we're going to slow it down a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I've kind of got mixed emotions on that, to be honest with you, is, uh, you know, Talladega, Daytona, um, you know, fast tracks, you know, they 
they they're flying around that place uh inches away from one another three wide sometimes four wide even more than that and uh you know just as deep as they're all wide and it's just um you know it's part of what Caldeg and Daytona really are and that's kind of the allure that draws a lot of people to both of those tracks um throughout the year uh you know NASCAR has tried repeatedly to find ways to uh keep these cars on the ground and while there has been some success over the years of keeping these cars on the ground to some extent uh you know forever for everything that they do change it, it, you know there there's no perfect situation in where uh, you know, as fast as these cars are and just the, you know, the general nature of the racing at these two facilities, that there's just, you know, no 100% solution to to keep them on the ground. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I think by slowing the cars down uh, is, is a disservice. And, and you know, we, we talk about this at a lot of other racetracks where they've cut horsepower and things like that. And, uh it, it hasn't necessarily you know generated any better racing than it was if we would have just kept the horsepower in place the way uh it initially stood so um you know i think they're you know i think that nascar can continue to try to keep these cars on the ground but at the end of the day unfortunately if these cars are flying around the track and the general nature of these of these events uh you know there, there's still potential uh, that cars are going to get up in the air. And at, at really, on, honestly, at the end of the day, you know, for as horrific as uh, Joey Logano's uh, wreck was, everybody has to remember yeah, he, he got out of that race car, um, you know, mm, like, so many, like so many people, like so many people have with the safety improvements over the last couple of years uh, in, in just the way that they're constructing these cars, the interiors of these cars, the technology that's going into the seats that these drivers are now sitting in. Um, and, you know, they, you, you look at some horrific, you look at horrific mm-hmm. incidents, uh, you know, uh, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, you know, 30 years ago, et cetera. And, and you know, there's drivers that, you know, uh, they they got in these very horrific incidents and barrel rolled at Talladega or Daytona and things like that, got up in the air uh, and, and, you know, had to be metal backed out of the track and, uh, you know, suffered serious injuries. And uh, I, I just think that it's not a reaction, you know, where while we need to continue <clears throat> to implement safety as many in as many possible areas as possible, I just think by slowing the cars down is not going to make any discernible difference because it's just, you know, the the nature of these events. And if a car is going to get airborne, it's just going to get airborne because this is racing. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, you know, you can't plan for every single thing. And, uh, you know, the, the mere aspect of slowing the car down, unless you're going to get those cars and let them run around the track at, you know, 50 or 60 miles an hour, then, you know, these cars are going to continue um, you know, uh, in in certain situations that can go airborne and we can't plan for all of those. And, you know, while we try, it's just something that is impossible. Well, and this is true. You know, Logano was unhurt. That This is true. But his car did land uh, with his driver's side roof uh, exposed to traffic. And he later uh, shared that the roof of his car had caved in on him and the accident was just a, a troubling scene, I guess. Uh, and I know that, you know, so certainly we, we look at speeds uh, boarding, uh, you know, right around 200 miles an hour for NASCAR or faster than that with IndyCar. Uh, they, they do that, for, obviously, for the uh, opp- opportunities to gain a run and make passes in the draft, making for a very exciting racing product. So you do have that part, and you do have the safety part of it. My, my, my thought is, isn't this why we put restricted plate racing in, in place to begin with, was to, to, to keep these cars down, slow down, and to keep them from going airborne? So this uh, perhaps maybe is just the next step. I know William Byron talked about after the fact that uh, for safety reasons that slowing the speeds might be the best interest uh, in that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that happens. I, I, obviously, the rules will take a, a effect for August's uh 
Coke Zero there at, at, in 400 there in Daytona, and uh, October's Yellowwood 500 in Talladega. Uh, how do they get the, these cars ready to go so fast? What what? And again, is it only those two tracks that's affected? Is it going to be affected here at Indianapolis? Is it going to be affected at Richmond? Is it going to be affected at Texas, where they're at this weekend, where that's a very fast raceway as well? In Michigan, which is another very fast racetrack, is or is this just going to be Daytona and Talladega? Well, right now it's just Talladega and uh, Daytona that these roles are being implemented as and. Uh, you know, again, just I, I I struggle with the fact of you know changing changing the speeds in these cars because honestly, I mean, when, when you open these cars up and go to a place like uh, Atlanta, for example, that's a very very fast racetrack, and you're going yep, just as is. fast as Atlanta as you do uh, at Talladega and Daytona, and you know while you don't have the pack style racing of you know just as many wide as they are deep. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to say that, you know, let's throw the cars down over at Daytona and Talladega and that'll solve the issues of getting the cars up in the air. But, you know, you go up the road to Atlanta and still run the same speeds and, you know, uh, risk it, risk the same thing, but you, you've not changed it there. So it just kind of seems like, you know, just, I, I don't know. For me, I just struggle with it, and I've struggled with it in the fact that you know, over the years that, you know, I think the restrictor plate has come in play, um, you know, after after Elliot <laughs> ran uh, 200 and 212, 213 miles an hour or something like that back in the 80s. Um, you know, it's just just really something that NASCAR has continued to tweak on over the years and uh, go well first to to the restrictor plates and now they use a a, a tapered spacer um, with uh, you know which is basically a similar kind of setup or a similar deal where um, you know they're they're restricting the the airflow between the the uh, the intake and the um, the fuel um, the fueling system so um, it's just, you know, I struggle with it. I struggle with it in the aspect of just, yeah. You know, it's unfortunate, you know, that that you know, uh, the re- the reaction is made to slow the cars down, when knowing full well that this is the kind of racing that Daytona and Talladega has produced ever since they 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 were built. And uh, you know, you can do all kinds of things in all kinds of situations, like I said before, but you can't plan for a hundred percent because. You know, racing ultimately is racing, and if it can't happen, it will happen. Yeah, and let's let's face it. That's why race fans are race fans because they uh, like speed. Let's talk about uh, another fast racetrack this weekend. Is obviously Texas. All three race series uh, are there at Texas this weekend, starting with the SpeedyCash.com 220, uh, the Truck Series. I know we but we both like to watch the Truck Series, and I tell you what, it turned out to be a great year for John Namencheck. And then also we got Ben Rhodes, Austin Hill, uh, Sheldon Creed, Todd Gillahan, uh, Zane Smith, Matt Crafton, Stuart Brisson, and Grant Effinger, and Carson Hosevere. 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 I knew I was going to miss that name out. Uh, certainly, uh, it appears that Toyota seems to be the dominating force in the truck series right now. But they roll in uh, to Texas uh, this afternoon, uh, obviously prior to the Xfinity Series. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's break down Texas. And the Truck Series, the Camping World Truck Series. Yeah, right. Uh, John Hunter Nier Trip is, is basically the the go to guy or the the one that I think we are going to see take this thing all the way down to the end and uh, uh, eventually be crowned the champion. He's um, he, he swapped uh, you know being in victory lane to to running uh, runner up. In events that his boss has entered in throughout this year, so and, and in some cases, or at least in one of his wins, he was even out at uh, even able to outrun his own boss, Kyle Busch, to hold the record and the uh, number of wins in the Truck Series. So for him, I think it's uh, you know we're we're going to continue to see this all year long. Uh, he made this change over to the Truck Series from from the um, uh, Cup Series because he said he wanted to be somewhere that was more compact. Uh, some more competitive and be able to compete for those wins, and that's exactly what he's done by coming in here and uh, 
you know, winning uh, multiple times here over the last, uh, you know, since, uh, what was it, April or, yeah, sorry, uh, I think, uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to win it. I remember his first win right off the top of my head. But either way, I mean, he he's done this all year long, and, I mean, he's been very competitive. He's been there in the spots he needs to be in, and it just is really just a class of the field at this moment. I think anybody that's out there that's going to try and challenge him, uh, it's, pretty you know at this point i think it's getting a little bit too late in the game and he's just going to continue to do what he continues to do in the truck series move on over to the xfinity race which is and the race later on this afternoon uh the Alsco uniforms 250 powered by uh, cheddar's scratch kitchen man by the way i like cheddar's it's a pretty good place but man that's a long that's a long sponsorship game uh but obviously texas said motor speedway out there in uh fort worth and we we look at uh uh, Austin Sendrick just having a great year. AJ Allmendinger obviously last week had had a great week. Uh, Daniel Hemrick, Harrison Burton, Jed Burton, Justin Alley, Justin Allegire, uh Brandon Jones, Jeremy Clements, and Michael Lynette all at, round out <laughs> the top ten. And then with Xfinity right now, it looks like Chevy seems to be the power horse uh, of the series right now. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it, while they are, I, I think we can't discount, uh, um, you know, both Austin Cindric and, and what he's been able to do this year. And and, and definitely, I think, uh, you know, let's let's also give a nod to A.J. Allmendinger, who is returning back to full-time racing uh, in the Xfinity Series or college racing. I mean, he just won just last weekend in, in Ohio for, the, yeah. for that team. So, uh, you know, for him, I mean, what, what's that? It's uh He's his second win of the season, something like that. I mean, he's 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 come back in there and been a dominant force to to be rock. To be honest with you, and college racing as as a whole has also become a dominant force. Uh, they also won at Talladega earlier this year under a rain delayed, uh, or I mean a rain shortened uh, event in the Xfinity Series. But Jeb Burton in, in that college racing car was also uh, very fast and, and kind of the class of the field that day too at the same time. So. You know, I think you have to take a look at that team, and, and they're really putting in the the work that needs to be done to be able to uh, to compete for these wins. And uh, if we're looking for for teams that are going to try and go up against Austin Cindric and some of the other guys like uh, Justin Allgaier, et cetera, I think uh, you know, College Racing is the team that we have to continue to look at because they've really put on a, a show this year and. Uh, since they come into the series, they continue to make gains and be better and get better at what they do. And um, with with Justin Haley, Jeb Burton, and AJ Allmendinger, it seems like they found the right combination this year to go out there and, and, and compete against some of these more larger, more established teams. You know, uh, kind of a uh, sidebar story to, uh, talking about IndyCar and NASCAR. I, I saw kind of a fun tweet, and I think it was all meant in jest, but of course, as usual. Uh, Social media blows everything up into uh, to whatever. So uh, Will Power, when he was younger, used to be like a like a boxer, an amateur boxer or whatever. And, and the conversation come up somehow where he said he'd be willing to fight uh, NASCAR's Kyle Busch. Uh, so now they're talking about let's 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 get these two in the ring and see uh, what happens. Don't think that's actually going to happen. But what what do you think about that story? Uh, IndyCar's uh, Will Power open to fighting NASCAR's Kyle Busch. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think it could make for an interesting pay-per-view for sure to, to watch these two race car drivers go at it. Uh, you know, uh, they, Texas tried to set up a, a boxing ring a couple of years ago uh, over, an, over an incident between a couple of other drivers, and they were going to put on a fight with the, with the drivers in the ring. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it would uh, be, you know, I think it'd be interesting to at least see, uh, you know, maybe if they wanted to do something like this for charity or something like that, yeah. I'd be all in. Let's see, uh, let's let's see what these drivers are, are really made of outside of the race car. Absolutely, it would be interesting to, to see how that that pans out. Well, Kyle Busch has got his own work cut out for him this weekend. He's sitting in number seven in the standings, and this weekend uh, certainly out there at Texas. Talk with us a little bit about Texas Motor Speedway. What makes it unique? What do teams have to do to prepare to be successful at that track? And by all accounts, it's going to be a rather warm weekend there in Texas in Fort Worth. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, this is, excuse me, 
Charlotte Motor Speedway has moved the All-Star Race out there this weekend, so we're we're going to run the All-Star Race and the All-Star Open tomorrow night. Uh, and this is just a non-points race, million-dollar-to-win type event out there. Uh, but you know, it's still it's still a race that a lot of teams just want. You know, they they put a lot of prestige in behind him winning that million dollars and be able to say that they're an All-Star winner. And there's been a lot of them over the years. And um, <clears throat> I I don't know. I don't think Texas is the right place to hold the all-star race. If if I have to say any, if I had to say, I say move back to Bristol because they ran the all-star race last year at Bristol under COVID. I think on a short track could really rejuvenate or reinvigorate this event all around. But you know they did move it uh, to replace the the date that they took away from Texas to to run an event at Coda a couple of weeks ago, about four weeks ago or something like that, and. Uh, still allowing Texas to have their two days, but then open up an additional day to move, you know, down south or into to Austin. But, um, you know, te- Texas is uh, unfortunately a, a, a track where it's, you know, it's very fast. They get strung out very quickly, and uh, the the tire fall off uh, is, you know, they build really incredible tires. They bring them there, and there's just not a whole lot of fall off there that that that's going to cause these. The cars to slip and slide around, so uh, I, I I just think uh, you know Texas, while you know it's it, it's uh, it, it has a, it has its draw. I just think it's just you know honestly, I don't know if it is even the right place to hold the 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 All Star race, and I understand why they're moving it there and to replace the race, but I I, I just you know after after we saw the All Star race on on Bristol half mile short track last year. I really do think that, you know, that that could be, you know, where uh, the future of the All-Star race really should lie. Uh, well, we had some news come out of Wood Brothers Racing uh, this week. Uh, they made a crew chief change from, uh, for Matt Dadabetto, uh who will work with a new crew chief beginning this weekend. Obviously, at Texas, we just talked about uh, Wood Brothers Racing announced this on Tuesday. What was the, the thoughts behind that, and what kind of challenges is that going to uh, provide for Wood Brothers? And Matt Dedabetto, Jonathan Hessler will replace Greg Irwin. Uh, Hessler, a Team Penske engineer, is not unfamiliar with the role, having served as an intern crew chief for DeBetto in April when Aaron missed the race due to the COVID-19 protocols. Is there some sort of connection here that that they decided that they need to go with uh, uh, Jonathan Hassler as as opposed to keep uh, uh, Greg Irwin in in that chair there? Well, uh, e- even though that they're considered basically a satellite team to Penske, they've they've struggled and been behind. But I think even Brad Keselowski this year at Penske has also been behind in the Cup Series. Really, really, it's just been Joe Logano that seems to be you know leading the way or the the banner for Penske Racing in the Cup Series. And uh, you know, Wood Brothers has had um, some incredibly tough times and. Yeah, you know they've they've been able to to, to bring in uh, Matt Battadano, and he's been able to um, build that program back up a little bit. But I think they just need that little extra um, push across the finish line, and they've been up close and really close a couple of times uh, of uh, getting that 100th win for the Wood Brothers Racing, and uh, has just fallen short. And uh, it's you know they're they're trying to make the change to get that last little. A uh, couple of yards that they need to get over over the the line and and finally get a win and just it's uh you know for them it's testing the waters but it also continues to keep that um, Penske in house uh, partnership alive and uh, really just helpful for them all around so um, it's you know maybe they're looking to 2022 and seeing what they can do with that and. Uh, I think there's, you know, there's been some sort of speculation as to the fact that Brad Kozlowski is going to leave, and and technically that number 21 was being promised to, um, uh, uh, excuse me, um, <laughs> Austin Cendrick, and mm-hmm. um, Matt Benedetto would be out of a ride. But if the case is that, you know, uh, the the number two is going to be vacated by Brad Kozlowski, um, maybe that is where Austin Cendrick goes and allows, uh, you know, Matt Benedetto. Uh, to to work with a new crew chief and build on 2022. 
Been talking with Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest and our official NASCAR contributor helping us break down uh, Texas this week and then some of the news that's going on. Real quickly, that final word of the day, we look back last week at Simona. Uh, what a great, great race that uh, was. And ended, the ended race, really good. Larson held off as Elliott in an overtime to win at Sonoma. Sorry. Uh, what a great, thrilling win and race that was last week. Uh, for Kyle Larson. Yeah, you know Kyle Carl, Kyle Larson is is back with a vengeance this year. He's won twice. He's won, uh, you know, twice in the um, excuse me in, in the uh, uh, already this year, and it's something that uh, he, he he missed out a little bit on last year just because of uh, him being suspended and whatnot, and, and just miss. Uh, uh, she, uh, Mr. Hendrick bringing him over there, Hendrick Motorsports and stuff like that, has just really just reinvigorated his career also at the same time. And I just kind of think put a point on the fact that, you know, everybody gets a second chance and everybody, um, you know, can show what they can do with that second chance. And he seems to be really making uh, uh, all kind of, you know, uh, putting, you know, putting his uh, – you know, his line in the stand is saying, here I am, and he just won the Coca-Cola 600 with dominating fashion a couple of weeks ago, goes home to California and wins that race out there. So I think, you know, it's just – no, I'm sorry, he's won three times this year. And so, you know, they, these wins that he's had, is it's been something that, you know, everybody has looked to and said, well, you know, he, he's getting that second chance, and he's making the most of that's that right. second chance. And, it, and it's obviously shown with pairing up at Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, that's absolutely right. That's exactly what was going through my mind. Uh, yeah, I, I, I believe everybody deserves a second chance. I, I, I was kind of on the fence about the whole suspension in the first place. I'm glad he got it. But more exciting, he's really making the most of this uh, second chance. Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest. Uh, where can people find his work and masterpieces, sir? You follow at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook, slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. Okay, Steve, have yourself a good weekend. We'll talk with you soon. Excellent. You too. Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, right around the corner, right after this. Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast, is going to be talking uh, with us. Just a little recap about the Indianapolis 500. Uh, also, what's going on in, on in Detroit with IndyCar and some action going on with the Pacers and the NBA playoffs right here on the Balance Radio Network. MTV on the RCA, no AC in the vent. We were Jesus, Sammy, blue jean baby, born in the USA. Trailer park truck stop, faded little map dots, New York to LA. We were teenage dreaming, front seat leaning, baby, come give me a kiss. Put me on the cover of the Rolling Stone, uptown, down home, American kid. Growing up in little The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got me. Ow, that went in my eye. 
It's called Beauty Sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle Coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Piquet, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? All right, welcome back to the balance. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. 30 minutes in the books. Thank you, Steve Wilson uh, from Speedway Digest, breaking down all the news of what's been going on in NASCAR and certainly what's coming up in, in Texas. And I do got to get rid of that bumper music. Uh, I, I, it just there, there was a moment in time when that was a good song, Tony, but not anymore. It, it has left. I have got to remove that from uh, the, the rotation, sir. What do you think? I think, uh, I think it will make my audience much. say bye, bye, bye. <laughs> that takes me back to being about 10 or 12 years old and coming home after school and watching TRL and that 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 song was always uh, one of the top songs on TRL that's right a moment in time Tony Donahue Tony D podcast joins us Tony thank you so much for joining us I, I know we we weren't able to get together last week because we had some issues on our end uh, but we are back together here so I do kind of want to rewind just a little bit and go back to the Indianapolis 500 I was privileged and excited to be a part of the hundreds of my thousand fans in the stands there. And, you know, we, we, I, I, I want to take everything seriously, the mass, the social distancing, and all that. But there were no issues with that. And you've been down to the track many times, and you know how crowded uh, that Tower Terrace is, you know, right along Pit Row there. It was, ju- it was just like that. Really, in a lot of ways, you couldn't tell a, a, lot, of, a lot of difference uh, they did have people coming around asking you to put your mask on. Didn't last very long. People were taking them off. And by the end of the day, I think they just said, ah, we're done with you. But, but most importantly, I told you the world was looking at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Indianapolis 500 to see how we could come back in sports. And I think we showed the Indianapolis Motor Speedway put on a great show and proved that we can get mass numbers of people in a, a, a location. And so hopefully uh, this gets us on the road. Uh, begin to get us on the road of recovery for fans in the stands for races across the, and, and sporting events across the board. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really notice anything different except for the infield was empty. And that was just during, you mm-hmm. know, pre-race during the race. I really didn't even notice that it, it basically Roger Pitsky said, okay, you want us to, uh, to social distance, then we're just going to move everybody from the infield into the bleachers and it's going to look jam packed. And it did, um, you know, we had a little bit of space up where we were sitting in the very top row of turn number three. But, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good crowd. It was a great race. And uh, it seems like the ratings were there. And hopefully this continues to push everything moving forward to, uh, to being safe. I don't know about you, um, but the, the week after the race, I was actually sick the entire week. So I don't know if it was from being out in the sun, if it was being out in the wind. Um, it was cold and rainy Friday night where I was. So. Um, I know that was kind of going around, but once I got through that, I'm all good. So it was nice to see. Yeah. Uh, it was nice to kind of have things back to normal. Oh, absolutely it was. And how exciting was it for Elio Castanevas to get his fourth win, uh, fourth Indianapolis 500 uh, win, and how huge was that? And I don't know how much 
if any, if you stuck around to watch the post race and, and tried to drink it of the milk, you know, I, you know how crazy it is. Tried to work my way down there. Uh, but the thing is, it was so crowded, you could barely see, but I did get a good picture of him climbing the fence with my phone. Uh, but uh, the thing is, he didn't want to go up there and drink the milk. He was running up and down, and I think you may have heard, uh, um, oh, I don't remember who was doing the, the PA announcer at the, that time, whether it well, it doesn't matter. He's like, he just drove 500 miles. Now he's going to run another two and a half. It was so exciting to see the energy that he had after winning his fourth Indianapolis 500. What were your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, you look at a guy that hasn't won the 500 since 09. There's been that pressure to win that fourth, and he's had, you know, a decade to do it, and he hasn't been able to. Then all of a sudden, hey, we're going we're gonna to move your teams. Roger Penske says, hey, go ahead and find another ride. I've got to go with somebody else. And in his first attempt, not in a, in a Penske-prepared car, um, he goes out and wins. So um, he had one of the best cars all day. He had a great month. And, you know, it just shows that the old guys can still get it done, and that's exactly what he did. It was, it was exciting. It's something that I'm not sure I'll ever see again as far as another four-time winner. Um, there's not really anybody knocking on the door of that unless Sato gets one here in the next year or two. But, um, yeah, just the enthusiasm that he has always had for that place. Um, just an absolute awesome champion. And I think he was the best winner for fans returning to the 500 and people watching. Um, it was the best winner because nobody was mad about Elio winning his fourth. You saw the jubilation in his voice and, and his celebration. So um, I, was, I was so happy to see it, so happy for him. And um, I, 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 still, I went back yesterday and watched. Just to just to watch the celebration again, and it's 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 still so much fun to watch. Um, seeing seeing him get out of the car, seeing how excited he was, and, and seeing you know the relief that he had knowing that finally I got this fourth, and I don't have to ask, I don't have to be asked the questions anymore. When I'm going to get my fourth, I finally got it done. Yeah, he's up there with the with the best, that's for sure. Kind of thought it was kind of a a I, I know Roger Penske was really happy for him, but they decided they were going to go in a different direction. And his first year back with a new team is when he gets that fourth win. He couldn't manage to get that fourth win with the Penske, so thought that was kind of a a, a neat little uh, storyline in a in a sidebar. So it worked this week. Uh, talking to one of my clients that was in Brazil, and somehow we got on the conversation where we're, where we were located at geographically, and I said, oh, I. Our office is based in San Francisco, but I work out of Indianapolis. I live in Indianapolis, and, and he's from Brazil. And he goes, oh, Elio Castanevas. <laughs> That's how big that name is in uh, Brazil, because as soon as I said Indianapolis, this guy from Brazil goes, oh, Elio Castanevas. So it was a, it was a, a huge, huge uh, 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 time. So we move on. We're, we're out in Detroit. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this, because this is something new. For racing, uh, both IndyCar and NASCAR, Ryan Hunter Ray shows, uh, shows off the pride livery in Detroit. I'm all for it. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's their thing to do. Uh, but it's new to see to racing. What are your thoughts on that? And, and, do, you, and, and do you think that, and, and, I, and I mean this in a very positive way, but also in the reality of the, of the world that we're in, do you think that that is going to have some sort of, negative connotation as opposed to a positive connotation. I, I can see it being positive. I know that why they would do it, but I'm just wondering what are your thoughts on Hunter Ray's uh, uh, pride livery in Detroit? I mean, I think it's awesome. It just shows that this is a sport in racing that, you know, we don't know if there's any um, gay drivers. We don't know that, but it's like Danica Patrick always said, you know, that, that car doesn't know if I'm a, if I'm a boy or a girl, it doesn't know anything. It just knows that it needs to go fast. So, um, super cool to see that, um, you know, and, and I think that that's going to make headlines and be inviting for, for, for that community. And, um, it's, it's, it's just something that, that you like to see. And, um, hopefully Ryan Hunter Ray more than, more than what his livery looks like. Hopefully he can get some results because it's been a struggle over the last two years mm-hmm. for Hunter Ray. He returns to the place that he got a victory at two years ago. Um, so if I'm Ryan Hunter Ray, I want to take that car straight to the front and have it up front as, as much as I can. Well, it's the duels this weekend at, at, at Belle Isle up there in Detroit. I believe that's also a Penske track, or at least he, he was part of the development of it. Uh, talk with us about uh, the, 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 the Belle Isle, the road course up there. I know they did a lot of work on it over the years. 
What can we expect this weekend, both today and tomorrow? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, this is the most physical racetrack probably on the circuit. Um, it's bumpy. You know, when you talk about a street course in Long Beach or you talk about a street course in St. Petersburg, usually pretty mild winters. Uh, the track doesn't, you know, the surface doesn't get tore up. Uh, Belle Isle, right off the uh, the Detroit River that leads into, into the lake, um, it is ridiculously cold in the, in the winter, and the track gets tore up. So it's bumpy. It is physical. You're constantly battling the track. And um, it's going to be hot. It's super hot. So we may see some rain today, which will bring the temperature down, which will, will mess up the strategies a little bit on who goes to rain tires and who doesn't, um, but physically demanding, and it's going to be hot up there. So uh, we saw it after the first practice yesterday, just, just, how, just how kind of burnt out and tired these guys were after a two-hour session. So we'll see what happens in qualifying here in about an hour. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we'll see what happens. This has been a track that, that Scott Dixon's been able to do uh, well. Also, Simon Patterson, Joseph Newgarden, Graham Rahal all have kind of had their good good spots there at uh, Detroit. Uh, real quickly, before we move on to some other things, there was some news come out of uh, IndyCar this week. You know how, how the media gets things and social media starts going. But So, I guess in the younger years, Will Power in Australia was kind of an amateur boxer or what have you have you and he had made a comment that he would like to fight Kyle Bush in a in a boxing uh, match if you will and I know tracks have tried to get uh, uh, drivers uh, doing some uh, boxing matches for charity and what have you uh, but I thought that was kind of an interesting twist and it, it, it seemed to dominate social media there for a while so what do you thought about uh, Will Power or Kyle Bush putting on the gloves yeah I think it was funny I mean during the press conference you know he mentioned that um you know, they asked, what What do you want to see out of the SRX race, which is the new series that starts tonight um, with Tony Stewart and a lot of drivers that we know, like Elio Castroneves, Marco Andretti, Bill Elliott, um, and Paul Tracy. And they said, well, we want to see fights. You know, we want to see, we want to see drama. That's, that's what we turn in the racing for. And he kind of said it in jest, and they asked, well, who would you want to fight if, you know, you get to fight somebody in NASCAR and, uh, he thought about it for a minute, and I think Kyle Busch is the first thing that came up. So, um, you know, in IndyCar, you you, you you want those rivalries, but, again, these dudes are battling for their lives every time they're out of the racetrack. Now, the cars are a lot more safer, and with enclosed cockpits, you would like to see that. I know Will Power was really mad yesterday at somebody. He wouldn't say who it was, uh, so maybe we'll boil over with the frustration. If he gets frustrated again today, plus the heat, um, we'll see if uh, Will Power – decides to uh, act on the aggression and how pissed off he was at, at a driver that he would not mention. Uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm curious about that, too. Tony Donahue from Tony G Podcast. Tony, let's talk a little bit about uh, the NBA, the NBA playoffs. Obviously, uh, the Pacers are in the news this week. Uh, they decided to uh, release Nate Morgigan. I don't know why I always have a problem with that name. I just do. But the thing is, I, I wonder how how – was it even necessary to hire him in the first place? He wasn't experienced. Uh, Nate McMillan, maybe not the best, had its problems, and maybe they just needed to go in a different direction and get a, a fresh face. But I don't know that uh, uh, Nate for Nate was really the the best option for the Pacers. Seems like they, they took some steps backwards. Yeah, and this is a guy that, you know, they looked and said, okay, is this somebody that um, can come in and be the next, like Nate, like Nick Nurse, the guy that, um, um, you know, a guy that is a basketball guru. You know, he was he just buy he just needed this he needed this chance to to prove that he could coach in the NBA. And that's what they had Nate Bjorkman. They said, look, okay, this is the guy that came from Toronto. He's won everywhere he's been, whether it's whether it's whether it's the G League, whether it's wherever. Um, this and it just didn't work out. He he didn't have the locker room. I thought he was very odd in a lot of press conferences where he just it was almost like he knew that things were going bad and there was a there was a major pressure on himself to perform. Um, but hey, uh, Kevin Pritchard decided. Look, um, I went to bed with this guy and we got to let him go before um, it gets any worse. He's lost the locker room. Players aren't happy. You can't fire the players. It's tough to trade the players away, so the easiest solution is to get rid of the coach. Um, not ironic that Terry Stotts becomes available. I think the Pacers kind of knew that that was going to happen. 
and I think he'll be your next head coach of the Indiana Pacers is Terry Stotts from Portland. Well, you know, that's a good option. And I guess what you want to think about, what would be a, 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 what would be a successful coach? But also, uh, you know, there's been rumors floating around as well that they could be the, the first team to hire a female as a head coach. And Becky Hammond, uh, the assistant coach for the Spurs, has, has had some conversations about being the Pacers' next head coach. What do you think about that? Uh, not going to happen. Um, and I like Becky, but if you're Becky Hammond, you're in a situation in, in San Antonio where you're under, you're under the best coach of the last 25 years. you got an opportunity to take over. Um, yeah, it's a small market team, but it's a small market team that knows how to win, that knows how to spend money, and knows how to get the best out of uh, their draft picks, which is not what the Patriots have done. So um, as much as maybe Becky wants coaching gig, I think that would be a step back knowing that she's in line to take the Spurs gig. No, I think you're right. I think uh, we're going to get a guy from Portland and hopefully comes in and we can turn things around because we've seen some ups and flows uh, with the Pacers over the last couple of years and certainly very disappointed to not see them make uh, the playoffs, but the playoffs roll on. We saw a great game this week uh, between the Jazz and the Clippers, although I wasn't able to stay up and watch it all, but you know, the Jazz, uh, they, they have a lot to prove, but uh, is it really all that Jazz this year in the NBA playoffs? You know, the Jazz just, they don't have the experience yet. You know, I mean, they're they're getting it done, but it's going to be tough going on the road. Take on the Clippers tonight, a Clippers team that's going to be desperate for a win. Um, the, the, the Jazz are good, um, but are they good enough to go on the road and get it done? Uh, they obviously protect home court advantage to one of the best uh, home courts in the NBA. Uh, but, th- but can they go on the road and get it done um, and, and, and knock off the Clippers today? I'm not sure, but I do think, the Jazz are right now uh, my favorite in the Western Conference to make it to the finals. The Suns have proven that they are uh, that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with here. Well, yeah, absolutely. And let's look at the the, uh, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Hawks. How far has the 76ers come? And they've certainly earned a, a spot to 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 play for the championship as well. Yeah, no, um, it's 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 been nice to see. The, you know, the Hawks played well against the Knicks, but they're just overmatched with the Spurs. Um, too many guys getting foul or against the Sixers. Too many guys getting in foul trouble. Joe Allen beat has not been not been stopped. Ben Simmons has been playing well. Um, some of the role guys, I mean, Tobias Harris is always going to get you buckets. Court Moss, Matisse Seibel, some of these guys off the bench. Um, Seth Curry, George Hill have been playing well. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, uh, we saw have a great, series um, in, in the first round. So the Sixers are certainly firing on all cylinders. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what, where we, who do we think is going to, what team do we think is going to come out uh, out of the dust, if you will, and, and really what are the teams that we think is going to be there solid that may not be there here in just a, a few short weeks? I mean, I, I think you're set up for a Phoenix and New and Brooklyn Nets NBA Finals. Uh, the Nets are just too good. They just they can score at will. Even when James Harden is out, they score at will. Um, you know, it was an ugly loss on Thursday night when they lost to the Bucks, eighty six, eighty three. But once James Harden gets back, I mean, this team is going to be um, too good to beat. So I'm going to go Nets and Suns. The Suns are hot right now. Chris Paul's a veteran. He's never been in the NBA Finals. He certainly wants to get phoenix back there for the first time since 1993 um but but the cool thing is is regardless of it's a super team or not which a lot of people don't like we're going to see two teams in the nba finals that we haven't seen in a long time obviously the nuggets have never made it phoenix hasn't been there in in 30 years uh the nets haven't been there since 2003 um you know the clippers have never been there the Sixers haven't been there in a very long time. So we're at least going to see two new teams, even though they're super teams with players that have been in the finals. We're still at least going to see two teams that we haven't as a franchise seen in the NBA finals in a long time. Well, you know, we saw the Bucks get a pretty good uh, close win uh, on Thursday over the Nets. Uh, you think we have anything to worry about there, or you think that the, the Nets have really what it takes to move on? Because they, they got them again tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Yeah, I just think the Nets are way too much. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's a chance that 
uh, the Bucks can make it a series. But if this if this only goes five games, then then I think there's a chance that the Nets just just take over. It depends on if, when when James Harden comes back. If they know that they're going to win this series without him, and you rest him, this may go five to six games. If he comes back and he's healthy and he has no restrictions, uh, the Nets should 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 put more should send Milwaukee home pretty quick. All right, let's just kind of go through the action this weekend before we have to wrap it up and put a bowl up. We talked about the Jazz and the Clippers, uh, but they play tonight at 8.30. What are your thoughts about the Jazz and the Clippers? Yeah, I mean, it's a must-win for the Clippers down 2-0. You get, you get to come home now. Um, you got to get more production out of Paul George. He hasn't played well over the last week or two. Um, you know, the the bench has to play well, and Luke Kennard and Morris, um, you know, Reggie Jackson, I mean – for the for the Clippers to win this series, everybody has to play almost perfect, and they haven't done that in the first two games. It's been mostly all Kawhi. Paul George hasn't really been um, the quote-unquote superstar that everybody thinks that he is. Uh, we know how he is in the playoffs. He tends to struggle. So if they're going to win tonight, they're going to have to – Paul George is going to have to step up. Well, absolutely. This is kind of a unique uh, situation that the Clippers find them in. It's been a while where they, they can say that they – are, are really what we would call struggling, if you will. Also, tomorrow, the Suns and Nuggets, we've talked about them already, uh, but the Suns are at the Nuggets. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, the Suns are just impressive last night. I mean, they, they didn't let they didn't let off the gas. They took the lead early, and they never looked back. And um, they have so many different players that could just beat you in every way. I mean, you've got anywhere for, you know, you you've got, Chris DeAndre, eight, uh, Mikel Bridges is playing well. James James Crowder is playing well. Um, campaign off the bench. I mean, Phoenix has everything right now uh, to be able to go to the to the to beat the Clippers or to beat the Nuggets and to beat the Clippers or the Jazz and go to the NBA Finals. Phoenix is probably the most impressive team so far during the playoffs. Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast joins us, helping us break down some IndyCar and some NBA action. Tony, what are you guys working on over there on the podcast? Yeah, lots of IndyCar going on this weekend uh, on the podcast. We had a preview of the SRX race coming up tonight, NASCAR tomorrow, All-Star race in Texas. I kind of like the uh, the rotation of tracks for the All-Star race. We'll see where they end up going next week, next week, next year. Absolutely. Tony Donahue, we appreciate you joining us. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? TonyDND.com. Check it out, support it, and appreciate you having me on. All right, buddy. Thanks. Have a good weekend. Take care. You too. Tony Donahue, Tony D Podcast. Love having him on. Certainly has a lot of value to add, especially when it comes to racing and NBA and, and really can can uh, talk the gamut of sports. He's got a great podcast. I kid you not, it really is a really good podcast. Go check it out, and we'll put it up on social media as well. My name is Sean Mark Lassell, President Day. Thank you, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, for joining us. You guys are the minion. You are the best. You're the what makes this, this engine run. If you will, no pun intended, uh, just make sure you follow us on social media. If you're listening to the podcast right now, go ahead and make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a drop wherever you're listening to us on your whatever podcast that you're format you can find on. We are on any podcast that you can find. All you got to do is uh, search it, search the balance. It's certainly one of all the major ones. Uh, tune in, uh, uh, tune in and, and Apple Podcasts and all the others, <laughs> Stitcher, all the others that where you might get your uh, podcast at. Also follow us on uh, the on Facebook and on Twitter. T Balance. My name's Tom Marquez El Presidente. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here, deuces.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.